Well, good morning, everyone. My name is John, and it's uh, my pleasure to uh, welcome you also to our live stream this morning. Thank you, Catherine and Nick, uh, for your music. Thank you, Sean, for your introduction and prayer. And uh, I hope you are enjoying uh, our service this morning, no doubt in your slippers. For all you know, I may also be wearing slippers this morning too, so uh, I can hear you chuckling there as well. So, But it is uh, my pleasure to welcome you, and we are continuing our series in James. So if you have your Bible uh, on your phone or in your hand, uh, we will be going through that uh, in a moment's time, and we will be, we'll be starting at James chapter 1, verses 19, and working our way through. So I encourage you to, uh, to follow along as we do just that. Uh, but it is my strong belief that one of the one of the best relationship enrichment exercises that any couple can do is to put IKEA flat pack furniture together, together. Whether it is a bookshelf or a desk, you know the furniture I'm talking about, but generally it needs two people uh, to, to make it work. And so as you put that together, experience tells me that it is worth having someone who is more like the four person, uh, who, who reads the instructions and translates those instructions uh, to someone actually putting the furniture together. And so that person needs to look carefully and communicate that, those uh, careful instructions. And then the person putting the furniture together, that bookshelf or that, that desk or whatever it is, well, they, they need to listen carefully to what the person is saying and then they need to follow that instruction for the furniture to turn out the way it should. Well, there's no guesses uh, who is the four person in our household. Uh, It is not me. Uh, But I would encourage you to do that if you've never done that before. Uh, You know, it, 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 it will enrich your relationship with whoever you do that with. But it is also, I start with that because it is also the perfect activity that relates to the theme of James this morning, to apply the message of James this morning. In our passage, James uh, may not be talking about putting furniture together, may not be talking about doing this uh, relationship enrichment exercise together, but he does describe the Christian life as a life that involves listening to God and then doing what he says, listening to God's instruction, to his words, and then putting it into action. So this morning I hope that you'll be able to see uh, see what it says here in James. Uh, my encouragement is to, for you to not only listen, but to act on these words that we will be working through. And Because uh, these aren't just words that God simply wants us to, to wash over us, uh, they, are, they are words that God uh, wants us to, to hear and to act upon. These are the very uh, words of God come from Christ and from our Old Testament and New Testament, the ones we have in our hands or in our phones. And so uh, I'd encourage you to turn to James, James chapter 1, verses 19 uh, through to 27, and uh, I will read from there just after... I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together this morning and and pray that you will speak to us. May we hear your words. 
May we also put them into action. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have James uh, with you, you can also follow on the screen behind me. Uh, James chapter 1 verses 19 is where we start. It says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Well, in verse 19, we're immediately struck by the importance of these words that James writes. He starts uh, by telling us, his readers or, or his hearers in the day, to take note of this. Take note of what? Take note of what he is about to say, that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I wonder how often are we slow uh, how are we, are we, often are we quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry? More often than not, this is flipped around, isn't it? More often it is, well more often at the time is that we are slow to listen. We are quick to speak and often we are quick to get angry. And it seems to me that James is describing for us some kind of dance move hit for us. The step formation in our dance isn't to be slow, quick, quick, but it's to be quick, slow, slow. When we get the steps wrong in the dance, well then we make a fool of ourselves and, and fool of others, those who we are perhaps dancing with. So too in life, if, if someone uh, who doesn't listen is quick to speak and is, is quick to get angry, they they make a fool of themselves and, and perhaps others that they are around or with. Proverbs 17, uh, verses 27 to 28, speaks some of these wise, reiterates some of these wise words from James. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Seems to be the similar words to what James is saying here. But James wants us to know the importance of listening, the importance of, of thinking about what we are to say before we speak and the impact that anger can have. In this day of, of outrage, this day of uh, unthought opinions given online very rapidly, well, we find miscommunication. We find people getting angry very quickly. We find people not listening to each other. And so it sort of reiterates the exact thing that James is trying to, to, fight, to, to speak against. Because it is this anger that James wishes to highlight Again, verse 19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Anger is not a product that God wishes his people to produce. 
Uh, for anger does not cultivate in us the right way of living, the right way of living as God's people. Anger may be a sudden burst born out of frustration or, or impatience, or it may be a deep-seated anger, a rage, a, 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 a feeling of jealousy, of annoyance that extends for a long period of time against something or someone. But either way, this cultivation of anger is not what God desires. It is not the heart that God seeks for us to have. It does not produce the godly fruit that we are to produce. So if we have a problem with anger, if we have a problem with anger, then we have a problem with the way in which God desires us to live. We have a problem with doing what God desires. This reminds me of of Jesus' words in Matthew 5, verse 21 to 22. Here he is is speaking uh, to his disciples and others in what is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this about anger. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus seems to lift the issue of anger up to that of murder. Those who are angry will bring judgment down upon themselves. And here we find that, that, that anger isn't just a, an issue that, or an emotion or a, a feeling, but it is something that is raised to the stakes as a moral or, or ethical issue. And so the framework of our morals, our ethics as, as believers is to include anger as something that is immoral, as something that is not right, something to actually do away with. And James seeks here for us to do away with anger as well. It is not something that God desires at all. In Colossians 3 verses 5 to 8, Paul also makes this point. He says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Both Paul and James are speaking of these things in terms of what it is to be an ethical Christian, a moral Christian, as part of our Christian ethic. Where does anger sit? sit? Anger is to be put away with. It is to be done away with. And so if you have a problem with anger, it it is time to reflect upon that and seek God to transform you. And this leads James to place anger in verse 21 under this banner of of moral filth, not a a phrase we're probably very uh, commonly used. Put away what is hindering us, this anger. Because, of course, we realise that we are not... uh, 
perfectly moral creatures, we realise that uh, very early on uh, in life, don't we? But James here is giving us a reality check, a reality check on how we listen, on how we speak and how we react to things. The challenge for us is to examine ourselves, examine our hearts in light of what God is saying to us, to analyse our attitudes and our actions. In light of God's words, what is he saying to you about these things this morning? This was rather convicting of me, uh, for me this week in my preparations, I will be honest with that. Uh, Thursday morning I got highly impatient and highly frustrated with one of my kids who, would not, who was not doing what I thought they ought to be doing. Uh, all they had to do was to get into the car with a different car seat, yet they were not keen to do so and uh, that was made a big deal and I didn't really appreciate their point of view. So, uh, so I, I too was a bit frustrated and uh, possibly angry this, this week as well. So I've been convicted by the passage we've read this morning too. But if anger is an issue for you, then I encourage you to reflect and to pray and to speak to someone about that. Because the encouragement is that it takes great humility to do just that. Great humility to admit that we're wrong to someone, that we, are, that we are dealing with an issue such as this. It takes humility to accept God at his word, to accept the words here from James, which calls us to humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. In verse 18, which Wally preached about last week, uh, James has already told us that we as believers now, uh, or that we are believers now because of God's words, of God's words accepted in us as the word of truth. He says, God chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits for all he created. And so here in verse 21, James reiterates the point, the word of God has power, the word of God has power to transform. The word of God is planted in us, is part of us and is slowly and surely transforming our hearts. Salvation comes from the Lord and it is through hearing his word that we are impacted and transformed by his spirit. James can say that this brings salvation because he knows that this word of truth is the gospel. His, this word of truth is what has given us a new birth, a new heart, a heart for God, a heart that leans into God, a heart that is open to hearing from God and changing because of God. And so the beginning of our Christian life with God comes from the word of God, arresting our hearts and life. From small seeds, big trees grow, large vines extend, and while his word may not be fully fledged within us right now, the encouragement is that as we keep persevering, as we keep going, 
he will continue to do his work within us. And so the impact of God's word on our listening, on our speaking, on our reacting, on our, on our anger, is something that we can come to the Lord about and that he can transform us as we see the word at work in our own lives. Well, James continues in verses 22 to, to 25 and here we see the word in action Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is someone, is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Well, just as the word is planted in us, so too as we begin to grow in our Christian walk, in our Christian life, the word then extends to not just listening to it, but to actually doing it, to taking action. You may be aware of the bushfire warning system, which uh, you may have come across particularly over uh, the summer months just gone, and in relation to fire emergencies, the government and the, the fire authorities have this three-stage warning system and stage two is called watch and act. It is a, a system that is, is to protect yourself and your family and particularly when a, when a fire is perhaps developing nearby. Well, in verses 22 to 25, James isn't telling us to watch and act, he's telling us to listen and act, to listen and act. We're not just to listen, but we are to do something, to act. We're to do something with this word, to listen to the word and then as a response, do something out of it. To be intentional in our listening will lead to being intentional about our doing. And so we are to do what it says. Now in in the 1975 VFL Grand Final, Uh, Hawthorne coach John Kennedy made a famous speech uh, to inspire his team at half-time. And you can listen to it on YouTube uh, perhaps this afternoon, uh, if you like. But part of his exhortation to the Hawks players was this. At least do something. Do. Don't think, don't hope, do. At least you can come off And you can say, I did this, I played on, I shepherded, at least I did something. Well, I imagine if you were in that huddle, that would have been a a powerful word and it's powerful hearing it. But I can imagine James just saying something similar to us. He seems to be implying the same thing, at least do something. Do, listen to God's words, hear God's words, do, act upon it. Listen and do, listen and act. Well, James, of course, doesn't 
you know, he, he, he couldn't think of a good footy analogy back in AD 45. And so instead, he actually goes for an analogy about looking in the mirror and forgetting what you look like. When we look into a mirror and see our faces dirty, perhaps from all the gardening that we've been doing over the last few weeks, well then we're to do something about it. We clean it off, don't we? We clean it off. Or when we wake up in the morning and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we we recover from looking at ourselves for that moment, we then perhaps inspect ourselves a little more closely and try to scratch that sleep out of our eyes. Or perhaps when we need to go out for our essential items, of course, then we may look in the mirror just to check how our hair is, to check that we don't still have bed hair from earlier on in the day because there is a lot of bed hair going around at the moment, isn't there? Well, as people of the word, we are not to be people who simply listen to it and leave it at that. We're not to simply listen to it and forget about it. We're to listen to it, hear it, and act on it. We are to show the word in action, to do the word in action. And the challenge James puts before us this morning is, are we listening to God's word and are we doing God's word? Are we acting God's words out in our hearts and our lives? Are we doing something about it? How often do we read God's word? How often do we listen to a sermon preached and then walk away and forget all about it? Not to think of it for the rest of the week. Well, James calls us to listen and to act. And as he calls people to listen and to act, he also says that we are to look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, a perfect word, a word that gives freedom to us. James here is alluding to the Old Testament law that God has set out for his people, but he is also linking to Jesus' words here in the New Testament. You see, for the gospel brings freedom. The gospel, God's words, brings freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, before God because of what he has done for us. Jesus' death, his resurrection, the good news of Jesus brings freedom. Here we do not find more law, more rules, more things that we are meant to do, we have to do, more good stuff to do in the hope that God might accept us because of those things. No, no here we find our acceptance from God because what Christ has done on the cross, leading to peace, leading to hope, leading to joy, leading to freedom. Like that great hymn of 1824 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. As we listen to the word, as we listen to the gospel, as we listen to James's word here for us, we are to hear it and to put it into action. We are to do it and we will be blessed by it. The final couple of verses that we will go through this morning, verses 26 and 27, let me just read them out and follow uh, if you have your Bibles with you. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And here James has a warning for those who believe that they are religious, those who consider themselves faithful Christians yet have no reign on their tongue, no control of their tongue. James will elaborate further in chapter 3 of this letter about the tongue and in a bit more detail. But here this seems to bring us back to verse 19, our our quick, slow, slow uh, step formation. Quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak. James warns us that what we have to say will impact others. It has an impact on ourselves and others. If there's ever ever been a false statement made, perhaps that uh, that commonly used statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that seems to fit that sort of false statement category. It's not true. Words do hurt. We've all experienced that, I'm sure. They have shown to hurt plenty of people, plenty of relationships, plenty of families, They've shown to hurt plenty of workplaces and organisations. Words have an impact. In regard to our faith, James seems to be implying that if we are unable to control our tongue and unable to control our speech, then we are deceiving ourselves and hurting others. Therefore, we are to to control, seek to control what we say, seek to control our tongue and pray that God may help us do that just as God may help us listen and keep cool in times of impatience. But James also rounds out uh, this passage for us this morning uh, by tracing this theme of the word of God through to what is acceptable to God. Here in verse uh, 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Christianity, our faith, 
us as believers, us corporately, it is centred on helping and serving those who are vulnerable and also to remain unstained from the world. Those of particular vulnerability in James's time were the widows and orphans. That is still true and still the case today. But it also includes others, doesn't it, who are in vulnerable situations. As this COVID situation continues, there are more left jobless. There are more with mental health uh, issues. There are more who are dealing with domestic violence situations and so on. Examples there, uh, no doubt. But our faith is to have a social impact on the community. It is to impact the people that we come across. At an individual level, we can reach out and care We can perhaps provide a meal, we can provide a conversation, we can be there to support people, we can be in contact, we can pray with people, with anyone in our network. And we encourage you to do that, either through these twos to fours or or whoever God may lay on your, your heart within our church community. And then at a church level, we seek to to do that as well through many of our, our programs, and particularly at this time through our emergency food relief. Uh, through our counselling services, uh, through giving meals to others. Uh, just this week we had a call come into the office uh, where those in the Wellington Care Centre enthusiastically uh, gave up their time to go and to help and support and give some food to someone who needed it uh, very quickly. And this is all part of putting our faith into action demonstrating the word that is planted in us. I wonder if there's an opportunity for you or your family uh, to show support, to show, to have an impact with people next door, who live next door to you or, or down your street. What opportunities are, are put before you to put into practice uh, God's word in helping those uh, more vulnerable than ourselves in this season. So this gospel, this gospel of freedom, this word of God, this word of truth that is implanted in us is to impact the way we also view the world. Our walk with God is a journey of growth and into maturity. We seek to, to become more mature, to 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 become more pure, to do away with, with sin and, and that which we desire ourselves rather than what God desires of us. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17 are, are very reminiscent of the words here from James as well. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. This doesn't mean that we don't live in the world, but it is is living in the world with an expressed desire to do what God desires, to not be polluted by it the freedom of the gospel, the fresh air that we breathe through God's word comes from him and is the opposite or is not from 
the moral filth that James here is talking about. And so to conclude this morning, we can read James's words and we can think they're rather blunt, rather direct, uh, not very forgiving at times, very straight down the line. And we can consider them for ourselves. We can read them again, try to listen to what it says and, and then put them into practice. Reflect on them and, and, and see how they apply to your life as well. Put them into action though. The key is to put that into action. Listen and do. Listen and act. James encourages us and I too encourage you as well to let the work do the work in you. May the word do the work in you. May the word, uh, the word be something that you act upon and may you demonstrate that word in your life. Jesus' words in Matthew 7 are rounded out for us. Again, as he closes the Sermon of the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. May the words of your faith, the words that our faith are founded upon, be solid words and be words that we put into action. Listen and act on what God is saying. Stay in step with him as you dance with him. Quick, slow, slow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that as we read it, as we hear it, as we hear it explained, may we then be convicted enough to go and put it into action. Lord, your truth, your good news is one of freedom. And as it transforms our life, transforms our heart, Lord, we pray that we may act upon these words that you give us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, this morning we're also going to close off by having Catherine and Nick sing, so I'll hand over to them. Thank you. Thanks, John. Um this song that we wanted to share with you is, um, I think, a, a song James would have loved if he was amongst us.